They should win the game. They get a point. We, we scored a perfectly good goal. Make it 2 0. Game's done, done, dusted. We win the game. Officials cost us two points today. It's standard. 10 past 10. Most of the children are probably in bed, but the, these, these boys are fucking mentality giants. It's unbelievable. She clearly hasn't he the funniest shape. He's a little chunky fella. They'll fight for the tree. It's a joke. Gone about far this, far that. Help the officials out. Clearly they need help. Clearly we play in the Premier League. It's a joke. It's a joke. Hello and welcome to Three at the Back, the brand new podcast. Uh, new brand, new look, uh, but the same three voices uh, into your uh, earphones every week from BackpageFootball.com. Um, my name is Kevin Coleman. I'm here with Keen Carroll and Phil Green. Um, revitalizing the podcast, I think, lads, uh, after a, a brief hiatus. Uh, what do you think? Phil, it's good to be back, Kev. It's like a new sign-up. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like I've just returned to my former club, and <laughs> it, it's it, it's just tremendous, lads. It's great to see you. Uh, I don't think you celebrated against us anyway last time out, so uh, you were kind of respectful to the fans uh, in that regard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, no, no kissing who, the badge. Who, who, no kissing the badge. No, no, absolutely <laughs> not, lads. Too much respect there. Too much history. <laughs> Uh, so like I said, a new name, a new brand. Um, we're still under BackpageFootball.com. Um, we said we'd shake it up a little bit uh, going into this season. So I hope everyone can um, can stick with us uh, week to week uh, as we bring you a little bit of chat. Um, not nothing too serious, but just kind of a, a laid back, uh, a chilled run through uh, things going on in the Premier League. Um, a little bit of Irish football affairs. Uh, there's never a dull moment uh, when it comes to there. Uh, and of course, a little bit of the League of Ireland when it's popping up. Um, I think we'll jump straight into it, two soul lads, uh, with a little bit of a, a Premier League preview. Um, obviously, things kick off uh, this weekend, this Friday night with Liverpool and Norwich. But um, last weekend, kind of, I was a bit hesitant coming into the Community Shield because we all know it's it's, it's a bit of a, a damp squib when, when it comes to uh, competitiveness. But I think Liverpool and, and Man City kind of ended that. Notion with a with a fairly uh, competitive game. Um, what did you think, Phil? We we kind of pleased with the way Liverpool finished out after after initially um, looking slow out the blocks. Yeah, I, I must say I was quite worried at the start because they continued in a similar vein to how most of preseason had gone, um, and City kind of came out of the traps pretty quickly. Liverpool kind of caught back in their heels a little bit, but they they stuck in there. And I know Klopp said that they had words and showed them a few things at halftime in terms of clips and stuff and. That seemed to work. I mean, it, it looked like their fitness stood to them a little better, maybe than Cities did, without looking at the, at the, the top of their top of their range. But it, it looked like it stood to them a little better than Cities did. They were definitely the better side for the second half. But um, I think the big thing for me to take away from that game is that when these two sides are playing each other, it seems to matter to them who wins. Like regardless of like, I don't think the Community Shield necessarily mattered to City, but I think beating Liverpool mattered, and yeah. I think the same true if Liverpool won. Uh, I think Liverpool would have been just as happy to beat City. So oh. it seems like there is a real rivalry developing between these two, and that like they just like to prove that they're better than the other one. Yeah, yeah. I, I I totally agree, guys. I, like the it, I I felt it was like a great precursor to to the start of the season, and and it was like nearly like it was like a throwback to last season and a precursor to to this season in terms of what way the league could go. Um, and when I was sitting watching the game, I was like, I kind of felt like this was like this was like a throwback. This or, or this is kind of like the first great team rivalry since United Arsenal um, back in the day, like back in the like late late nineties, early early noughties, where it was just maybe not in that sort of like you know real spiteful sense because I think there's between the players and managers there's quite a decent relationship there, but but like on the actual pitch itself. You know, it really felt, even though it was like a glorified friendly, um, if you want to call it that. You know, it it mattered, like like you said, Phil, it really mattered as, as to who won. Um, so yeah, like it was, a, I really really enjoyed it. I thought it was a great game. It was definitely kind of like a a, a bit of a, a psychological edge to it as well, in terms of that Man City had the better of Liverpool in the league last year in the table, but also 
in their two games. They probably should have won at Anfield to beat them then um, at the Etihad and obviously came out on top at the at come the season's end uh, in the league. Um, so there is a kind of a, a healthy rivalry, I think, brewing between the two. Um, mm. but, I, but I think coming out of it, Liverpool can be, feel fairly pleased having pulled back one all, lost on penalties and shown that, you know, we're not, a, we're not far off Man City at all. Um, and I think a lot of people are looking at the, the transfer business so far and you look at Man City spending £60 million on Rodri who obviously looks mm. like a, uh, he was, I thought he was very good now on Sunday. Mm. But, I mean, he's going to come in and out of the team you'd imagine whenever Fernandinho is not available. Yeah. So, yeah. What, meanwhile, Liverpool, obviously, it, it's the cliche has been, has been well like, criticised at this point that Liverpool are making all these new signings in terms of uh, guys returning from injury and whatnot. But um, I don't think much has changed from last season for any side, for either side. And uh, I think it's going to be kind of a, a two-horse race once again. What do you think? Yeah, look, I think maybe the most significant bit of transfer business to happen between the two clubs could be if Sané ends up leaving to Bayern. Um, mm. Because specifically against Liverpool in general, but specifically against Liverpool, he's caused loads of problems in a lot of the games. Uh, and like he, he's... Like an, an obviously excellent player, and not that City would ever be light without him, but it just removes a quite different weapon from their armory if he was to go, and that might feel like the most significant thing they do. Like, like you said, I thought Rodri was great for his first game. Um, be interesting to see how he deals with if it's if the up if the pace is up a bit, but he looked great. Like the pass he was picking early kept things ticking over really nicely. Uh, but I think Sane's move could be the most significant if it does happen, because like you said, everything else is pretty much an even keel. So it kind of depends on how well the managers and the <clears throat> coaching staff can manage those workloads from like somewhere with Afghan and uh, Copper America and coming into a Euros. So I know Van Persie on, I don't know what telly he was on, if he was on BT or if he was on somewhere. Uh, in yeah, Europe. it was BT. He was saying that they're the, the two best teams in Europe. Hard mm. to really argue on the evidence. Mm. Yeah, I mean, like, the, the, first and foremost, well, I can't believe that you thought... Uh, Leroy Sané possibly leaving would be more important or more significant than Fabian Delft's exit, which is which is <laughs> remarkable to be quite honest. But uh, I think it was no, I think it was a good indication of um, it was a good indication of how they actually see themselves, both both squads, both clubs, how how they see themselves in terms of what they've done in the transfer market this summer. It's like. City, Guardiola knows that even if he does lose Sané, they'll probably bring somebody in fairly quickly because that's just what City do. They, I, would, I would assume they have uh, earmarked or replacements. Liverpool haven't really done that much damage in the transfer market because Klopp knows that he's not far off off City. You know, so he doesn't need... I don't think he, he feels like... Why fix what's what? Why try and fix what's not broken? I mean, like you, you guys were like what a point, two points off City at the end of at the end of the season. So it's like, and you won the Champions League. So it's so he knows he doesn't need to do much surgery. It, and you've got Oxley Chamberlain coming back. Kader's probably you know got that like season of settlement in there now as well. So it's like you know there doesn't there didn't need to be a lot of surgery done to either squads. Uh, so yeah, it looks like it could be a real sort of like. Celtic Rangers sort of mm. back in the day type sort of like battle for for the title again this year, like which is you know obviously it's 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 not that it's not great for the league. I mean it's it's going to be entertaining to watch, um, but it definitely feels like there's like a separation inside the top six. Um, Phil, gonna from a Liverpool fans' perspective, are you worried about the lack of transfer business? Um, because I, I, I can understand Klopp's um, decision kind of not to jump straight into a, into a big money signing, considering, as, uh, as Keane said, we weren't a million miles off last year. Um, there's obviously an unbelievable rapport in the team. There's a great sense of unity. Um, so you don't want to, to kind of try and upset that by bringing in a, a £60 million winger who's going to kind of take minutes off the likes of, of Manny or Sella or, or, or potentially Brewster if he improves uh, this year. Um, so I think as nice as the idea is to come off a Champions League win and say 
we've got a lot of money to spend. We can strengthen the squad. I can understand his sense of like, I have everything I need here. We've a couple of guys come back from injury. I think we'll just be fine. Uh, Let me ask, guys, can I just jump in there and ask you two um, the question, right? If is there anybody in the squad that you would replace? Definitely not in the starting eleven. Um, and if you were, you'd definitely be looking at huge money to even think of replacing someone. Yeah, like exactly, and like I think that kind of feeds into why there's been no business as well. Um, mm. like like you were like you were saying, Kev, it, it's a lot of money if you're going to replace any of the starting eleven because they're at quite a high level as it is. And I think because of the last kind of 18 months they've had where they have had a significant enough outlay, while balancing the books with Coutinho and people like that, it's still been a significant enough outlay. And I know the figures were out recently around agents' fees, and Liverpool paid substantially more to agents than any team in the Premier League. And like the thinking there is basically they're giving the agents a cut and making sure they're getting the likes of Van Dijk ahead of City. So I think that that's part of it. But I think with half an eye as much as you can on next summer, you look at people like Sancho and Mbappe who are going to be a year further into their development and their contracts. And mm. it's kind of like a big free agency class in the NBA. It feels like next summer could be a bit of a sweepstakes for a few generational players. And I don't know if Liverpool aren't just keeping their powder slightly dry because if they went and signed somebody for 60 million this year who plays out wide, then number one, it's 60 million less to spend on Mbappe and Sancho. But mm. number two, it's just one less space to have. Mm. Um, I mean, that might be taken to big or too wide of a bird's eye view on it and if if you're asking me what I'd like to sign like Nicola Pepe and those sort of players yeah but um, I given how Liverpool have conducted their transfer business over the last kind of 18 months two years even going out to three years it wouldn't surprise me if they have a kind of an eye on what they're going to do in the next film yeah I actually yeah, I mean, thought sorry, on, Ken, sorry no 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 go on ahead sorry uh, Phil mentioned in uh, Jadon Sancho I actually thought our likeliest chance of spending big would have been another Nebi sort of deal where we look at maybe a Sancho and say uh, we'll, we'll agree terms now and we can bring him next summer because like you said he'll have another year under his belt in the Bundesliga but at the same time the likes of Sella and Mane are going to be another year older and potentially another year closer to a Barcelona or a Real Madrid if one of those lads come knocking we do have that Sancho in the bag and we can kind of afford to, uh, uh, to, to to maybe consider letting one of the, the main guys go. I suppose, I suppose the other thing as well is that um, like Firmino is uh, 28 or going to be 28 this season mm. and that's mm. not old but he he does a phenomenal work and he has a really good injury record and the older you get the less good that injury record is going to be. So you're probably looking at another season or two of being able to rely on Firmino and then you're really going to have to think about succession planning there. So I know Bruce was a little bit of that, but then there mm. has to be an eye on somebody kind of a level or two above Bruce to come in. If Firmino's, say, if, if worst happened, Firmino had a really bad year of injury this year and he's just not the same come the summer. There has to be some sort of planning going into it, taking into account the wear and tear that Klopp puts mm. on his players. Yeah, so, I, 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 I think. Like, yeah, I think he's. I think that the with the analytics department and uh, is it like what? What is it called? Is it the transfer strategy team or the committee? What is the, is yeah, the what, No, it used to be called the committee with Dan yeah. uh, and Molly and away from that, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I mean, I think with that in place and um, and Klopp having that foundation or style of play that that you know players can players of a certain type can easily fit into i think liverpool have a like have that foundation that they can build you know and rebuild quite easily so i mean like like as phil says with salas you know kind of hitting like 28 29 30 they've you, you're gonna have Klopp will have and and the transfer um guys will have earmarked replacements and you know young replacements and they're probably I think was there something wasn't there something in the media Klopp had, had spoken about this summer wasn't the summer that they were going to go big so you can imagine that is them thinking a little bit ahead going look these guys are going to be fine for one, for one more summer maybe two and then we're going to splash out big time next summer or the summer after do you know that kind of way so you can see kind of long term planning 
uh, within that transfer strategy. Um, so yeah, like as long as as long as Liverpool Klopp's Liverpool don't get picked off the way Klopp's Dortmund did, um, and don't suffer from horrendous injuries the way that that Dortmund side did, then you can see kind of you can see Liverpool being that really really strong club and get and and, and will continue to get stronger over the next few years. Um, which which kind of makes it a little bit bleak for everybody else, bar City maybe. Um, exactly, yeah. And you kind of see the extent of their planning. Um, I'm reading Simon Hughes's book, um, LA, 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 kind of looking back on the past 12, 18 months at the club. Um, and I was surprised to see that Alisson, they were speaking to Alisson before, Carrius made any mistakes in the Champions League final. Like he was a long-term plan because they knew long before Carrius had kind of announced himself to the world in in the worst possible way that that he wasn't going to be Liverpool's number one for much longer. Um, and and it was kind of like you said, Keane or or Phil rather the the agency fees were were astronomical to get Allison on board. Yeah. Um, because that that was their men and that was it. And like I, I know, um, that it's come out in a couple of pieces, like in Rafa Heinstein's book uh, about Klopp bring the noise, and uh, loads of other places. He's he's quoted pretty liberally about it. Klopp would rather develop a player than sign the wrong one, so he's happier developing Brewster than spending forty million on a decent fit. He wants there to be a significant upgrade, and you can see that in how they went about Allison and Van Dijk. Like they they waited around for both of them to be available at the right time, um, at the right price because they wanted them and nobody else. And so I think part of that feeds into it as well, that like, unless they have identified the person, Klopp will rather take what he has and try and develop because he does like that kind of challenge as a manager, as opposed to um, just spending, but then they'll spend when they have the right person. Yeah, exactly. Um, Looking at uh, Spurs now, I mean, they were definitely the closest uh, horse to the top two last year, obviously getting to the Champions League final. Um, they actually went and spent some money this time around, which which is uh, um, unusual for them. You know, it's been long uh, said now how how many transfer windows. I think it was was it three transfer windows? They didn't sign anyone, or was yeah. it four? It was three. It was three yeah, since Moore since Lucas came Moura came in. Yeah, the January. Uh, yeah. So they've signed ten guy in Dombele from Lyon, um, a young French midfielder who, in fairness. Very highly rated. Um, you imagine he'll slot in and start straight away. Um, just talk of Christian Eriksen leaving this week. Um, I think Manchester United are, are kind of tempting Spurs with a, with some cash because he only has a year left in his deal. Um, but Phil, can you see a drop off from Spurs, or do you think they'll they'll just uh, they'll still be there thereabouts? Uh, it's an interesting in one. Yeah, it's it, it's really interesting with Spurs because I remember at the, at the time of the Champions League final, uh, which is obviously an incredible achievement for for Spurs to get there. I looked back at the team that started that day versus t- the Tottenham team that started against Klopp in his first game in charge of Liverpool in t- 2015, and there was seven of the starters from that day played in the Champions League final, and two more uh, from the Champions League final came off the bench in 2015. So the team's actually been on the road for four years, which is a very long time in football. And so it kind of feels like they're at a natural balancing point, but it's felt like that for a while with Spurs, and yet they've still managed to ground out these kind of really significant milestones. Um, and I think it's significant enough that when you talk about so much upheaval in the, to- in the top six, and there's definitely kind of a gap to City and Liverpool, it doesn't really feel to me anyway that Spurs are one of those people whose space might be in jeopardy. I just feel like they'll no. take along in third or fourth. Um, like I think Ndombele is a really good signing for them. Um, I think he'll give them a good bit of what they need. Might be, hopefully, from Spurs' point of view, maybe kind of reignite a little bit of what they lost in Delhi Alley, and um, just freshen things up a little bit. Just have a different option in there. Um, I, I like. I think I said the exact same thing last season, but I just find Spurs tipping along in third and fourth. And if you finish ahead of them, you're probably off to having a good season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one with Spurs. Uh... It feels like sometimes I know they had like a relatively good season last year, um, finished top four and, uh, and and the Champions League final, but it feels like they they're constantly like running 
they're running to a stand to a standstill of some kind, um, or, or, or you know they're like running through treacle. It just doesn't feel like they're actually making any sort of strides in the way Liverpool have made strides under Klopp. Started off like you know on a reasonably sound footing, and then sort of have gradually kind of picked up pace. Whereas like Spurs don't really feel like they're doing that. They feel like they've hit a natural level, and they can't really burst past that. Um, and that's and you know, I, I, it's it's difficult to, to pinpoint exactly why i mean it's probably a micro uh, sorry it's probably a, a, a an accumulation of things in terms of um losing players and player unrest and maybe not being able to offer um the the the, the gargantuan wages that other clubs can offer but it's like you know you've got this guy Nombele, like he could be an app like he i've seen clips of him i've not seen a lot of him live at leon but he was was it against Barcelona? He was just absolutely outrageous, and he could be a difference maker. But w- was he not bought to kind of, you know, as as a Dembele replacement? I mean, if they lose, if they sign him and they lose Eriksson, um, who it does look like is going to go, is that a, like is that Spurs stepping back? Mm-hmm. Do you know, or you know, or, or are they just kind of standing still again? Like I have seen rumors today that there were um, Poch was on the phone to Barcelona about Coutinho, yeah, um, which which would be a really interesting one um, in, in a way. But um, Coutinho could be seen as an Ericsson replacement of sorts. Um, but does Coutinho offer the same as Ericsson? He definitely won't cover the same amount of ground as Ericsson. You know, he won't track back the way Ericsson does. Um, so it's it's yeah, I, I, it's it's hard to know it's Spurs and obviously with the stadium, um, it, 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 you've only got three days left of, of the transfer window. So I mean, is, is Spurs like Spurs gonna go hard or go home? Like I, I don't really have that feeling of what. I, and on the opening day of the season, they've got they've got Villa. Not to bring Villa into it, we'll probably speak about them in a wee bit. But um, but I mean, like like a, a club like Villa could catch them cold. Um, and that's not to say like they they don't have they don't still have fantastic players they do like but it's it's just that they're still off Liverpool and Man City mm. so it's like where where are they going to go like that's that's who they're chasing so I mean they have to they have to push the boat out to 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 catch City and Liverpool and it just doesn't feel like they're doing that Nombele have been a fantastic signing but it's it's not enough. And now they're paying for a stadium as well. So, like, Levy was always tight yeah. with first strings. They're paying for a stadium. Um, yeah, like, I, I, I agree with you. It feels like there's a lot to do to make a, a kind of a quantum leap. And I don't know if it's necessarily there to, to happen. Um, they're, def- they're, they're a weird way about, they're going about it. I mean, this whole trip here to Atletico Madrid, there's mm. talk of Danny Rose leaving before the end of the week. I mean, he, he, there's been talk of him leaving for a year or two now. Um, I feel like losing Christian Eriksen at this point would be a step back. I know he only has one left in his uh, one year left in his contract, but he's kind of he's one of those players that kind of floats under the radar, kind of like a a Sigurdsson type. Where obviously Sigurdsson didn't go as well at, at Spurs as he is at the moment at, at Everton, but he's the kind of the type of player that you need and Spurs certainly need. And like Keane said. If Coutinho did come, even if it was on loan, it would be a huge statement. But I don't think it would have really improved him necessarily on the field, um, especially from a kind of a consistency and from a set-piece point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I think is how they've dealt with Harry Kane over the summer. Um, from everything I've read is that they haven't covered him in in um, in form or anything, but they've kind of really monitored his his progression through the summer, because obviously, without Harry Kane, I think there's a massive drop off, and I think to this Vincent Jensen on um, the Dutch striker, I, I don't know if Laurent is still there. I mean, yeah, he's still there. Yeah, without Kane, um, there's a huge huge drop off, and we saw that at times last year when he wasn't there. Um, I think he's. I think he's going to have a massive season if he can stay fit, and I like the way that Spurs kind of, um, kind of guided him through the friendlies and didn't uh, put a huge amount of minutes into his legs, um, especially after the World Cup last summer. Um, I mean, there's 
in Dombele. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him. Um, there's rumours of Bruno Fernandes, possibly, yeah. if, if Ericsson leaves. I don't know, would they be able to get the deal over the line in time? Um, but like Keane kind of said, they're, they're plodding along, and I think they're going to be comfortably in the top four, but I don't think they're going to really crack into the top two, or, or crack into the gap at least, from what, from the business they've done. Yeah, completely agree. Um, what do you think of Chelsea Leds? I mean, going into it, they're probably the most interesting team on paper. Um, a new manager in, in Frankie Lampard, um, back to this boyhood club, which, I mean, he looks, or not his boyhood club, but uh, the club where he, he kind of... He's uh, legend status, really. He's yeah. legend status, yeah. Um, I mean, he obviously did an unbelievable job with Derby. But I think replacing Sari with Lampard, I think it's absolutely baffling. I mean, mm. I know Sari. Sari is obviously better off at Juventus. Um, I don't think the fans really wanted him. Um, I kind of got the impression towards the end that the the media weren't going to um, really be on his side either. So I think he's better off at Juventus perennial league contenders. I think Lampard, I mean, no transfer window. You know, is he? Keen, you'd be familiar, fairly familiar with his first mm. year um, at Derby. How, how mm. do you think he's going to go? Um, do you know what? It's a, it's like you said, Kev. It's a really odd one. Um, it could go, it could go well, or, or and this is this feels like I'm sitting on the fence with it. It could go well, or it could go absolutely disastrously. And I think it'll be one or the other. Um, I don't think there'll be an in between here. Uh, it's funny, like, do you know when, do you, do you remember in 2008, lads, when, you know, the banking crisis hit and, you know, it was like a global sort of financial meltdown and basically everybody or like everybody from in their like from 19 to about 25 just sort of upped and like went to Australia. And then, you know, everything that, you know, they went in the piss for about two or three years and really enjoyed themselves. And then, you know got a few pound up and then came home about four years later. That's basically Chelsea right now. All their youngsters who are out on loan are after coming back from those clubs <laughs> and they're all rocking up the Stamford Bridge and, and basically Frank Lampard is going to have to pick through that lot mm. and see actually who can make a difference. Because Tammy Abraham was, well, scored a lot of goals at Villa um, last year and, and, you know, did really, you know, he was a difference maker for, for Villa, but at times was really frustrating. Like he would, he would, he, his hold up play can be frustratingly bad and then brilliant. And he can be a really tough finisher and then miss the easiest of chances. Uh, it's, there, there doesn't really seem to be an in-between with him, but he is very young. Like I think he's only 20, 21. I don't even think he's 21. Um, you know, so there, there's a lot of growth left in him, but I don't think you can, I don't think you can leave it for, for, I don't think he's good enough even now to be a backup for, for a Chelsea side who will have, who will have aspirations of a Champions League place. Um, and it looks like he's going to be given the chance. Um, and, and, and Lampard, obviously at Derby, has put a lot of faith uh, into youngsters. He's, he's, he's utilised his contacts at Derby and he's got in a lot of youngsters on loan and they've done really well from him. Like they, they, they went through patches of being absolutely brilliant, you know, being then being dicked left, right and centre and then gone really well again. So it's like, I think that's what's going to happen here at Chelsea and I don't think that will be good enough for the club overall. It'll probably keep Abramovich happy to a certain extent, and the fans will give him a little bit more leeway than than somebody like Sorry. But I think you're talking Chelsea could be easily outside of the top six here. Um, I, I actually think this season is going to, could be wild, and by wild I mean the top two are, are, are going to be the top two. But outside of the top two, I think this is this is going to be the, the year that somebody from outside the top six actually breaks uh, breaks into the Champions League places. I would say the traditional top six, if you know mm. what I mean. Yeah. You know, if it's an Everton or if it could be a Leicester or a West Ham or yeah. somebody like that. Or Wolves, sorry. Phil, any thoughts yeah. on, on, on Chelsea there? <laughs> yeah, I suppose, like, it, it's funny, and, like, Lampard is obviously the headline story here, right? But there are two massive things that happened to Chelsea in Hazard. the last like, six months. Hazard left, and they got a transfer ban. So they, can't, they aren't signing anyone, and their best player left. 
I know they had Pulisic, Pulisic to come back from uh, Dortmund loan, and then they made Kovacic uh, permanent from from Madrid as well. But like that's the extent of their business now. They are banned from from signing players. Lampard has his school, his cast of thousands, as came as saying, the, the, the loan boys. There's another prop gone out again. I was looking at their. Uh, I was uh, the Sky Sports News was on the house for the first time all transfer window. And the other way, the, the, the ins and the outs. I couldn't get over the length of the Chelsea outs again. <laughs> but, um, like Hazard's gone. So there's your best player, your main goal threat, gone. You're replacing him, like Keane said, with a talented but young and immature player in Tammy Abraham. And Pulisic then as well, obviously, to kind of augment that. Um, you've mm. got a, a rookie manager in Lampard, and you're not going to be able to write any ship. So I, I agree with Keane. I think their place in the top six is under threat they won the Europa League and finished third last year they had a pretty bloody good year yeah. but they mm. did that with Hazard and with a coach mm. like Sarri um, they have a few kind of hardened grizzled veterans of league winning teams there like Aspilicueta and stuff will keep a certain standard um, but I think it could be a bit of a struggle for them the only thing that might give Lampard time is that it's not really an attractive prospect as a like a club under transfer ban uh, kind of known for sacking managers and you're after getting rid of your best player um, and not replacing them with kind of a similarly world-class player. So I think that might buy Lampard a little bit of time, but I do think they're going to struggle. Like The way I was looking at the top six this year was kind of where are your goals coming from? Where are you going to get goals? Because that's ultimately going to be the decider. And like Chelsea, you're, you're, like, you, you can see to a certain extent where they're coming from, but not, I don't think the volume's going to be there. You'd... Um... I think Chelsea are hugely likely to drop out of the top four. Um, I mean, when you lose a player of Eden Hazard's quality, um, one of the best players in the league, one of the best players in the world, and you can't replace him, um, you know, you know, you you're going to be at in trouble straight away. Um, and I think they've apart from, aside from Hazard, I think they've still have a couple of issues. I mean, like Keane said, you've front two. Of, of Tammy Abraham and Olivier Giroud. I mean, I really like Giroud, and I think he's been a fine Premier League player. I think he's been very underrated um, over the past couple of years, but I don't think he's at a stage in his career where he's going to lead the line for a top-four team. Um, I think they're weak at left-back. Um, I think Alonso kind of flatters to deceive at times, even though he might pop up with a goal now and then. Um, what could be Lampard's saving grace is... The transfer ban, I think that'll save him. No matter how bad they go, I think he can fall back on that kind of safety net that, well, I had a transfer ban, and I think everyone will give him that little bit of leeway. Um, and I think the fact that he can be the one, especially with the European Championships next summer, he'll, he can be the one that can say, I brought through and I gave game time to the likes of Tammy Abraham, Hudson Adai, Loftus-Cheek, maybe Mason Mountain or a couple of guys like that further down the picking order. Um, and if, if he can do well with those guys in the team starting every week, I mean, he could come towards the end of the season and he could have initiated a couple of England squad players straight away. Um, and then he, he's kind of seen as a hero for, for in terms of, of progressing the England side as well. Um, they've, like, they've not done much business you know, like like we were talking about earlier. I mean, they've only signed Pulisic and uh, Pulisic and who's the, who's the the latest guy uh, in Kovacic. So so they, in essence, they've not really signed anybody. Yeah, like they've you know, you know, it's it's a really odd one, Chelsea. Um, we'll take a quick look at Arsenal now. Um, another interesting prospect coming into the new year. Um, they're very much party at the front. Um, bald patch at the back, if you want to call it that. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, there's, I know at the, at the time of recording, there's talk of uh, Philip Coutinho being added to the uh, to the to the attacking um tenant that they have there. I mean, it's an unbelievable front three. Potentially, if it goes well, potentially on par with what Liverpool and Manchester City have. Um, but their back four is abysmal and I mean there's talk of a centre back coming in before Friday 
they have to sign a centre-back. I mean, they've lost Lauren Koscielny now, who, as a club captain, basically down tools and said, I want to get out of here. Um, so they, I think he left for £5 million for Bordeaux, which, I mean, says it all when you're you're leaving, you're letting your club captain leave for, for that kind of pennies. Um, Phil, how do you think Arsenal will go? I think they're going to finish fourth. Um, I, I, I think there's just enough chaos going on in the top six. Um, and I think they have enough of that volume up front that'll fire them past enough of the crap uh, to leave them in a place where they, they could finish fourth. They weren't a million miles off Spurs in the end last year for fourth. I know the Irish fell out of Spurs this season because they were they were hunting in Europe, but they really weren't that far away with all the problems that existed with them. Uh, and like Aubameyang and Lacazette kind of firing for them. If you add in Nicola Pepe to that, um, if they sign a centre-half, I'd be even more confident of it. But I do think assuming that they don't start with Mustafi and like, you know, a wet mop at centre half. Um I I I think they finish short. I, like every second season, um <clears throat> I think there's enough people around them. We already talked about Chelsea, we're gonna talk about United and their problems. I think kind of process of elimination and that front three might equal Champions League football. Uh, yeah, I, like the only thing I could say to that is that, you know, Phil needs to put down the glue. Um, like there is, there is. I not that there's no chance that Arsenal finish top four because you know I think anything could happen. I think it is open to 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 a, a number of teams in in terms of the top four. I just don't think Arsenal have have enough. Um, pretty much. I mean, like I, I tweeted earlier on at, in terms of like. They look like a lad who's just constantly going to the gym and doing upper body work and just ignoring the ignoring their their legs. Just they're constantly skipping leg day and they just look no ridiculous. Leg no leg day. There is no leg day. Like it's just it's frightening the blind spot that has like it used to be DM and and now they've gone from DM to centre back. It's just so weird. Um, like why why will they not like Kieran Tierney, left back? You, you know. Why not just spend twenty five million on the lad? Twenty five million. They've spent seventy, nearly eighty million, on on this guy Lille uh, from Lille um, Pepe. And like, I, I'll be honest, lads, I've never seen him play. I don't know how good he is. Um, he could be absolutely phenomenal. But he, you know, like, he, is he is he as needed? Is he as needed as, as somebody like Kieran Tierney at the back? Mm. I I don't think he is. I don't think he is. I, I don't think. If you're releasing Danny Welbeck and you need a, you know a, a wide forward to come in, you spend any million on him when you've got Lacazette and Aubameyang. I know they're playing through the middle, but do you know what I mean? Like I, I, I just like Arsenal's transfer strategy is just baffling. I just cannot get it. <laughs> I don't they, understand why they're playing that ball with with Tierney. Neither do I. But but yeah, like it's just another. I was just going to say like, have they been even like? Has there any defenders been linked with them other than Tierney? Like, ha- have they got like, you know, there's three days until uh, up 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 in Can or wherever you call them the centre half. Oh yeah Leipzig. yeah yeah yeah. But um, Leipzig yeah. aren't going to lose him. With, yeah. You know, they're not going to lose him going into the Champions League. And I think his release clause is something like a hundred million. So they've yeah. already spunked mm-hmm. like nearly eighty four fifths of that on on another forward. So did it? Did they have another hundred million to to spend on a defender? Unlikely. So it's like you know they're gonna have to bring somebody in at maybe twenty thirty. I mean James Tarkowski. Burnley are looking for forty million for <laughs> yeah. James Tarkowski. Do you know I, I, it, this is absolutely insane? Do you know what I mean? Harry millions, ha- Harry millions. That's actually a good name from him. Like, do you know what I mean? Um, ha- yeah, Harry Maguire's gone for eighty million. Like, it's like what is going on here? I mean, like, I know you have to pay premiums for for um for English players, but bloody like, I mean, like, is that a premium coming from like Quinn Insurance or something? Yeah, it's just unbelievable. How much would um, Shane Duffy be if he was English? Well, what would the, like the Leicester did sign Lewis Stunk, didn't it? Did they? I don't think they have. No, it it, it didn't go through. What? So so Brighton was... were looking for what forty five million. Yeah, they were looking for something like crazy for Dunk. Like for for, for um, you're gonna pay about ten million. 
right, for for Shane Duffy's fringe alone. Do you know what I mean? Like that, like that's that's in this in this market. Surely that's like he's going to cost you big money. But I mean, like this is what I can't get my head around is like Tyrone Mings cost twenty million, and the likes of Football Three Six Five absolutely shit their togs. Do you know what I mean? They couldn't get their head around somebody like Tyrone Mings costing twenty million, and like these guys are going for forty million, eighty million, sixty million. You're like. Like the the market is just insane. It is insane, and then, like you said, going back to Arsenal for a moment, there's all these centre defenders. Not one of them are being linked with Arsenal. Um, I don't think mm. they're going to sign that guy for Leipzig. I don't think no. Leipzig will want to no. sell, especially this late in the window. Um, moving on quickly, a few words on Manchester United. Um, I mean, in terms of. Transfer business, I think Manchester United summer is going to be a case study in how not to do your transfer business. Um, in, <laughs> that in was a couple every of years summer. <laughs> I mean, to sit back and, and twiddle your thumbs on Harry Maguire's evaluation for two months and then say, okay, we're going to meet your evaluation a week before the season begins and giving him no... Uh, a chance to bait into his new side. I mean, the price is one thing, but if you're going to spend it, just go and spend it when you want, when when you need him, which was at the beginning of the summer. And I mean, Manchester United. I don't have a huge amount of faith in Solskjaer. Um, I think he's living off that nine-game streak he had uh, when he first arrived. I think he's living off the 1999, and I think. He's been told to, to kind of lay back on the references to 1999. I mean, they're going into the season, they're trying to get rid of Lukaku. He's not even training with him. Um, a pitcher came out with him training in Anderlecht gear um, yesterday, I think. Um, I, in fairness, Wan-Bissaka, I think, is a good signing. But again, you're spending £55 million on a on an English player who hasn't made a cap for the national side. Um but in fairness, he looks to, to be a good defender. Um, Phil, I know kind of Manchester United kept this podcast alive at times last last season. There was so much to talk about. How, how, what have you made of their summers so far? Like, if we talked earlier about how Liverpool and City are kind of models of how to plan for the future, and if Sané goes, City will have the next player in the door, and Liverpool are looking two and three windows ahead of time. United are the exact opposite of that. Everything from when Solskjaer was appointed the big noise out of United and the dominant team off the pitch for the second half of last season was their search for a sporting director and there was every former player like Rio Ferdinand was a favourite for a while and they were talking to Monchi and they were talking to this person and that person they haven't announced a sporting director yet so that's another summer that's gone by where either Solskjaer is picking the players they want to sign or Woodward is and so you're talking about a fellow who I don't think will be in the job past Christmas or Ed Woodward picking your players and it's just indicative in how they've done their business. Like I agree with you, Mambasak is a good bit of business. Like, <laughs> like the actual idea of eighty million for Harry Maguire seems mad, <laughs> but you know, current market rates, whatever. He's a good oh. signing, objectively. He, he he fills a hole for them. But like, yeah. they're going to start the season probably with Pogba and Lukaku on the books, unless something mad happens. And if they don't start the season with Pogba and Lukaku on the on the books, they've done something bad because they've only got three days to replace them. But there's two players who don't want to be there. They've still got. I've read a really nice piece. It was it on Football 365 that said the squad manages to be bloated and light on options <laughs> um, at the same time? And like that's just that, that it just sums up the drift under Ferguson for me. Like this is the, like culmination now. They they tried to follow Fergie with another Fergie light and moise. Then they went for kind of the continental type in Van Hal, kind of yesterday's man in Mourinho. Now the club legend. The the recruitment structures follow the same pattern. They've made maybe one good decision this window not to sign the ballot to the mad wages that he apparently wanted. Mm. But other than that, they're just, like, they're just a basket case. And mm. for all that, they might end up finishing quarters because <laughs> there's no basket cases around them. Like, maybe. I, I don't think they will, but that they're in the conversation seems a bit mad. Um, mm. I just think they're, they're a disaster, and I don't think there's any redeeming qualities, really. Mm-hmm. Like to, to be honest, guys, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't go as far as say they're a basket case or they're 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 in crisis mode or anything like that. They're 
there was fundamental problems at that club at directorial level, without a doubt. I mean, for for all intents and purposes, the, the actual transfer window could turn out to be a relative success. I think they actually have signed some good players. Um, it's like you said, Kev, like Wan Bissak, I think will turn out to be you know money well spent. I think Daniel James, given time, he's a bit raw, but I think he'll be he'll turn out to be money well spent. Um, who else have they got? Maguire, sorry, Harry Millions will definitely you know improve the back line to an extent. Um, it's just you know Harry Maguire and Phil Jones at centre half, like. The size, you know, of the, the like the orb of of those heads just is frightening. Just you know, on an optical level. But I digress. Um, yeah, the the, the transfer window. There, there's talk that Ericsson is on, you know, is on the radar. And um, Pochettino wants wants to is happy enough for him to go. Will he go to United? I don't know. I, I couldn't see it. I think it'd be a step down for him. But it. it, it could turn out to be that his options are so scarce at the minute in his situation that United might have to be a, a you know a reasonable destination if they get him. I think that solves a lot of the problems for United because essentially their midfield is not good enough. It is not good enough. They don't control games. Yeah. Um, the Lukaku uh, situation is is a little bit bizarre to me. I know we didn't have a good season last last year or at least tailed off, but I think. Solskjaer could get him right again um, with a little bit of TLC. Um, the club will seem to be happy enough to let him go. Um, and I think that's because they're banking on... Well, obviously, that you know they wanted Dybala and Dybala said no. But I think long, the long-term play is that Rashford, Martial and Mason Greenwood... Um, coming through will be will be like you know their their forward line for the next few years and you know that's a, that, that's a reasonably good shout, um, but I would keep Lukaku, definitely keep him. I would I would get so him would back I. in there, um, because he's going to score your goals at Premier League level. Okay, he might not he might not take you to you know he might not get you to a Champions League semi final or final, but yeah, I think he'll definitely score your Premier League goals. You know that. He's proven that throughout his career, so you just need to show him a little bit of TLC and 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 get him back in there. But yeah, I mean, where they finish this year, I don't know. And it, Phil, it's like you said, Solchar could have been a shell. Kev is that Solchar might not last in that role, and and I think it's only because if it doesn't go well for him, even though he's a club legend, I think he's already burned out his, a lot of his credit. And yeah. With, with that kind of horrendous sort of last seven or eight weeks to the season, so I mean, if it doesn't start well, I think he'll be he'll be on a bit of a sticky wicket. Um, and then yeah, it then and and this is where the club is is badly run at the directorial level. Is that it's like you said, Phil? It's like you know after they go for um or you know if Solskjaer does is given his marching orders, you don't know who they're going to go for. This is the thing. It's like there doesn't seem to be any sort of strategy behind um, the, the the things that they do. So um, yeah, if you're a United fan, you'd just be like, you, you you know, you'd have your early season optimism like every other club. But you know, I think reality could bite hard. Um, and I, I I could see, I, I genuinely could see them finishing outside top six because you've still got the Pogba thing. Pogba still th- the thing is looming over them. It's like. Does he want to be there? Is he going to? Is he going to hang? Is he going to get his move to Real Madrid? Um, it, it, is he? Is he a toxic influence in the squad? Like, there's a lot of issues there. Um, going into the season, you're three days away, and, and they're still not sorted. But in terms of the transfer window, um, at least in the incomings, I think they've done okay. I think you know, and if, I think if they do get Ericsson, I think they've, they've done well. Ericsson would be a very good signing, all right. Um, mm. I think they're they're mad enough to finish top four because yeah. from a starting eleven perspective, I mean, especially if they hold on to Pogba and if they can get good form out of him for a prolonged prolonged period of time, as well as Martial and Rashford. I mean, there is talent there and there is goals in that side to to push them towards the top four hunt. But at the same time, I mean, if it doesn't bid in and if they struggle at the back again, even without. Or even with Harry Maguire now on the side, they could easily slip into a struggle, a struggle for the for the top six. Um, 
I think looking quickly beyond the top six for a minute, um, I think there, there, there's a bunch of teams there around the same level who will be looking to to break into that into that uh, to, to top six. Um, for me, I'm really liking the look of Leicester at the moment. Um, I think Jose Perez was a very good signing. I think yeah. he's going to do a lot of damage kind of behind uh, Jamie Vardy if he does play like that. I think Yuri T. Lemons from Monaco is going to be a good signing. Um, and obviously, Harry Maguire is a massive loss. But I think I think they'll be just... They'll, they'll have more than enough to, to break in, to stay in the top 10 um, and compete for the top six. Um, Keane, I'm interested to get your lowdown on Aston Villa because I think over of all the teams outside of the top six, the sheer volume of business that's going on at Villa Park can't be ignored. And I mean, they've signed what they've signed everybody. I mean, I know you've had, you had a lot of loans last year. No, I was just going to say that that those sweet Southern tones, just uttering the word (laughs) Aston Villa, you know, in conjunction with the Premier League, is just so good again. Sweet. What can I say? It's it's just oh, it just gives me the feeling. It's meant to be. Um, it is. It is. Uh, we're back where where we belong. No, I mean, it, look, it needed to be done. It needed to be done. Like fifteen players were released from the promoted squad. Um, that was between. Sorry, uh, uh, sorry, fifteen players left. So nine were released and six went back to their parent clubs. So. You know, in essence, you had practically sixty percent of the squad leave, and it needed to be done. Um, and you know, this whole sort of oh, doing a Fulham thing is a load of bollocks. Like, you know, <laughs> F- Fulham, F- Fulham signed the majority of of those like of of those twenty two players or how many they, they signed. You know, in in the the final forty eight hours of the window or something like that, or like for the last three days, Villa have got the majority of these players in two weeks before before it finished. You know, so um, and six of the six of the players, um, three of them were loans from last year: Mings, Al Ghazi, and somebody else escapes me. Um, three of them had played. Two of them had played under. Uh, had played under Smith uh, at Brentford, and one other t- one of the other players had had played with two or three of the other guys. So it was like, in terms of intent, that that's all very specific. There, I understand that. Um, but like, but but essentially, um, the integration phase with Villa here, right, is that the, the it's so they, they they'll seamlessly sort of fit together, and like the preseason has shown that with Villa. Is that like we've won all our games? We scored something like fifteen odd goals, um, yeah, and yeah, and like we look really, really good. Um, the spine of the team has been kept together, and um, and really we've just sort of built around it. Um, whereas like with you know in comparison with Fulham last year, like they still had Tim Ream and Dennis Adoy, uh, you know the, the the little guy like at at centre half. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, and a lot of those, a lot like you know, t- the guy Carney and that, they they were all left on the bench. Like there was just fundamental mistakes um, at, at Fulham. So yeah, please don't ever utter doing a Fulham at me um, or any Villa fan. We'll take it very badly. But uh, look, at the end of the day, lads, I don't really know where we're going to finish. Obviously, um, I don't really have a gut feeling on it. I think we will stay up. Um, I think it could go very well. Um, we ha- I feel like we've signed well, and there's been a lot of like fifteen to twenty million pound players brought in, um, which in this market is quite good. And um, a lot of other Premier League fans might not have heard of these guys, so they'll be quick to dismiss dismiss them. Like, but um, yeah, I mean, I've, yeah, I have a lot of faith in Smith and and the coaching team, um, to to sort of like to get these guys going from the off, and and I actually do really fancy Villa to beat Spurs at the weekend. Oh well, like that. Just get get down to your love bookies, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, maybe, maybe. I don't, don't, <laughs> don't put that on me, guys. <laughs> <laughs> What's a good season for Villa, Keen? What do you, what would you class as a good season? That and the both staying Se- up. Seventeenth. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, staying up and um, yeah. staying up because these guys are no jokes. Um, the owners, they're officially the third. 
um, richest owners in English football. Um, so, you know, at a combined wealth, I think it's something like 15 billion or nine. That's something. They're, they're, if, you check the, if you check the table, they're, they're, they're the third um, richest. Yeah. So these guys are no jokes. Like these, these guys will put money and they've put their money where their mouth is. Like they've spent 133 million and they're, they're, they're essentially in the top five in, across European football. That may, may change over the next three days, but I mean, Villa have signed is it twelve players and another two are likely to come in before the window closes. So you're talking upwards of 150 million. And um, so if we consolidate this this season, if we stay up, that those guys are are, are only going to build and build and build. Um, so yeah, um, no, the the, the future is definitely bright at Villa, I think. Um, and I can see three other sides being worse than us. Um, sure. I would definitely have reservations about it. Yeah, definitely three. Like at least three. At least three. I think yeah. there's, uh, you know, like I was saying earlier on, outside of the top two, I think the league could be wide open this year. Definitely. Um, Phil, anyone particular fancy in terms of breaking into the top six? Yeah, so like, I'll, this isn't new news, but Wolves were really good last year. <laughs> they were deadly. Very good. Yeah, I can and like they've got probably the best manager outside. Like actually, I was going to say outside the top six, they've probably got the third, like fourth best manager in the league, possibly. And um, like I think you know, Spiro Santos is a really, really good manager. They've got good back in there in terms of like the money behind them. They haven't signed as uh, wildly as they might have done last year in building the squad for the league, but they have done some business. And um, I, I fancy them to kind of build on. Um, on how they did last year. I think they could kind of hold on to seventh. Uh, Everton have done some good-looking business. Remains to be seen exactly how good it proves on the pitch. Just in terms of I'm slightly worried about goals with them. I don't know if they've got a, uh, like a striker to play them into the top six. They'll be there thereabouts. Like, like with you, I like Leicester. Uh, West Ham could be good again. And I think uh, Southampton will kind of put a bit of distance between themselves yeah. and the bottom kind of third and move into kind of the middle third tra- challenging for that kind of maybe kind of seven eight nine rather than or sorry eight nine ten rather than kind of seventh and uh, mm. i think Calvin is quite good and um, he could be one to watch in terms of if for whatever reason possibly spurs he might be an option for them so yeah that's kind of me for the season i think i think uh, i'm there thereabouts especially on wolves um i mean signing raul jimenez on a permanent deal yeah, he looked like a genuine Premier League striker. I think if you want to be breaking into the top six, you you need one of those guys. You need a guy yeah. getting fifteen, twenty goals a season, and and that's their man. Um, and I'm interested to see this Patrick Catrone guy from AC Milan. Yeah. Um, alongside him, um, as well as that, um, you brought up Everton. They're another kind of a strange side. I mean, I think losing Idrissa Gay to PSG. Is going to be fairly um, fairly damaging to their midfield, um, even with Delph in, in the mix there. Um, but uh, I think Moise Keane from Juventus, that's that's kind of trickled under the radar. I mean, he he's been kind of touted as one of the the best up and coming players in Europe for the past couple of years. I think he's still only nineteen. I mean, imagine he's going to jump straight into into a starting striker role there. So. It'll be interesting to see if he can hit the ground running. Um, he's 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 surely got an Irish passport, lads. Like <laughs> what's going on? Like yeah, like that's how do we how do we even pronounce that name? I, I I've Think, actually googled this and, and uh, you know I couldn't find anything. I've heard Kian for a second. I've heard Kian, yeah. But I obviously have heard Keen as well. Um, mm. His first name, I mean Moise, Moisey. I don't know. Yeah, Moise, Moise. Yeah, uh, it, it, yeah. We'll find out. We'll find out soon enough when uh, uh, whoever, who, who's going to be butchering his name this year. Uh, quickly then, um, at the bottom half of the table, who's your um, kind of who's your first instinct to to drop down? Yeah, I think kind of Newcastle, Brighton, and Sheffield United are kind of my three. I think, mm-hmm. uh, and I think Palace will just squeak out by being. Not quite bad enough, but I think they're going to yeah. really struggle because I think Roy Hodgson is crap. And I don't, uh, <laughs> ah, lads, can't be saying that about Uncle Roy. I just think he's rubbish. I think they've no ambition. Uh, I think clubs around. Uh, 
Yeah, I think they're completely goose if they lose him. But like just the, the kind of ambition that other clubs around them are showing versus them, I think they could just drag them in and, you know, Roy being crap. But I think yeah. you, I, I think there's just enough worse teams below them uh, to kind of keep them safe. I'm looking at Newcastle, Burnley. I think Burnley might be in a bit of trouble this year. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I would be amazed if if all three of Villa, Norwich and Sheffield United stayed up. Um, yeah. That would be serious going. Um, now, I have lots of time for, for Sheffield United and Norwich. Um, Sheffield United under Chris Wilder. Chris Wilder's a great manager, great coach. Daniel Fox worked wonders at Norwich. Um, they both are really well-run clubs. They've not spent a lot of money this year. and There's not a lot of big money behind them. Um, so they're going to look to do it on a budget. So I can see one of them going. I don't know who, um, but uh, yeah. And then Newcastle are just just a shambles, really, aren't they? Like it's just bloody yeah. hell. It must be like souls trying to be a Newcastle fan. Um, and yeah, and I, I think Palace, if they keep Zaha, I think they'll be okay. Um, Burnley, I just think yeah, I think it could be one of those seasons where. I know they kind of, I know they did okay last year. It was like it was a bit touch and go for a while, and then they they, they kind of like last maybe like third of the season they pulled clear. But I think they could be in trouble again this year. Yeah, their defensive structure might might keep them up for another year maybe. But looking at their signings here, their their biggest signing was Jay Rodriguez for ten million from West Brom, um, who's um, been kind yeah. of floating about for the past couple of years. I mean. It's, it definitely looks like they're kind of coming to the end of their their turn. Um, I think we'll leave it there for this week, lads. Um, I think I think that was a good first first episode. Um, back in the the hot seat. Um, Kev, it was just it was so nice to hear you say the word <laughs> preview again. Preview. Like just that, that, the fre- the French pronunciation of the, of preview is just preview. amazing. I missed it so much. Um, before we sign off, um. I have a little bit of breaking news that'll be interesting to hear your uh, reaction to. Is um, Twitter is a light? Would apparently uh, um, apparently Spurs have agreed to deal with Juventus for Paulo Dybala? Did you make it up? Oh, wow! Um, apparently, a bid has been accepted, and they're just waiting to arrange personal terms with the player. Um, so it's on a few sources here at the moment. I'm not sure where it originated from. I think it was Di Marzio. Um, Gianluca De Marzio from the Sky Sports Italy. Italy is he, yeah. yeah, but uh, they're saying seventy million euros. What like, do you think? I think my initial be... reaction. Sorry, Phil. Yeah, go on. Sorry. No, I was just gonna say, like in theory, I think it's great. Um, I don't think it, it, judging by how things went for United, it doesn't sound like it's a done deal in terms of personal mm. uh, terms because he apparently wanted a great whack of money and no uh, downside guarantees, or sorry, no uh, cut in terms of missing. Targets a European footballer, Anton. So, um, especially knowing what how Levy operates, it mightn't exactly be a done deal yet. But like first instinct is that it's interesting. Uh, then when you think about it a little bit and how he actually fits into a posh team, then you kind of think mm, maybe, yeah. I mean, exciting for Spurs, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's basically just like the Spurs have just shit all over what I was talking about earlier <laughs> on with them. Cheers, lads. Um, yeah, no, my initial reaction then uh, on top of that is that just immeasurably improves the, you know, how good looking that, that forward yeah. line is. Um, you know, he's such a handsome chap. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where he plays though. So you've got Lucas Mora, you've got Harry Kane, and you've got Son. So whereabouts does he play? Is he playing in behind? Harry Kane in that in that Ericsson role or a Deli Alley role, do you know? So it's it, you know unless you're looking to play maybe two up front and go four four two or you know yeah it's a bit of a weird one. Um, but I, like in in essence it's a good signing. Um, he's a great player. Um, you know so, uh, yeah, a bit of it took me by surprise that. Mm. But you know, I mean if if there there's talk of Coutinho and there's talk of Dybala, obviously, he's in the market for a for a big name player. Yeah, a statement signing, if you will. 
Why do you think Juve are so happy to see him go? Like, is, yeah. is, it, is, it, like, is it purely because he didn't gel with Ronaldo? Like, it, it just feels yeah. weird. I kind of get the Moise Kane thing in that he's 19 and that they probably have a buyback clause in there and mm. get him back down the road. But, like, the ball is right in that kind of sweet spot. Um, he, like, even if Juventus are in kind of win-now mode, he feels like a player who can step up and play that sort of role. It's just, it feels a bit weird that they're so happy to shop him unless they're really, like, FFP challenged because they're paying Ronaldo, like, 10 million a week or whatever. Um, but it, it just feels weird to me that they're so happy to shop him around the place. Um, mm. I don't know. Yeah, like, see, it, 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 it seems to roll back on, on, on Juve's overall transfer policy of being absolutely incredible um, at signing players and, and you know, negotiating deals is that, um, is that they seem to have based their attacking strategy around a, a, a nearly 35-year-old Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, yeah, yeah it's, it's a bit of an odd because you obviously, you know, Keane's gone and, um, and now Dybala's going to go and you're, you're just like, Obviously, like Mandzukic is still there for the time being, but yeah, uh, like who have it? Do we know who Juve have signed um, in the transfer market? Have, have they got like, have they got an, a, an absolute banging forward line that I don't know about? They, oh, well, they, like, they, they obviously signed Delish for the back line, but in terms of attacking yeah. options, yeah. signed Rabio in the middle as well on a free from PSG and Ramsey um, on a free. Yeah, um, but like they were after Lukaku, so like they're in the market for an attacker. Um, mm. Like it, it just seems a little weird to me. It, it, like, like there must there's a reason, obviously, because they're shopping them around around town a fair bit, and like that's not to say Spurs aren't getting a good deal here for a really talented player. It, it just seems it kind of jars me a little bit, but it seems like um, it definitely seems like Ronaldo is ruling the roost there, um, and yeah. it'll be probably Gonzalo Higuain kind of. Jesus wept. God help us. Um, so on that impromptu uh, bit of break of news there at the end, um, I think we'll leave it there, lads. Um, I hope everyone enjoyed and can stick with us for the rest of the season. Um, we're on all the usual podcast places. We're on SoundCloud. I think we're on Spotify, Stitcher, Tuned In. Wherever you get your podcasts, you can find us. Just search Tree at the back. Um, cheers, Keane. Cheers, Phil. Thanks, Kate. Thanks, Keen. Cheers, lads. Pleasure. And we'll talk to you next week.